station along the corridors there at exactly the same time. Irrespective of what was happening in the world outside, you could set your watch by those tea trolleys, and they stopped for nothing, and no one, not even royalty. UCW House once received a visit from HRH the Princess Royal, who had become the first member of the royal family to attend a union conference. After we agreed to deliver fundraising leaflets for the charity Save the Children, of which she was patron, free of charge, she had taken the podium at the UCW conference to thank our members for their efforts. She was given a warm reception, despite the potential for confusion created by my old friend Derek Walsh, that year's national chairman, who, flustered by having to explain the protocol to our 1,300 delegates before her appearance, instructed them that when she entered they must stand up and remain in their seats. Fortunately, they knew what he meant. Later she came to UCW House, where security was tight. Everything had to be coordinated to perfection, every movement on every floor meticulously programmed. And it was, until as we reached the top of the staircase to the first floor, on our way to the ballroom, where Her Royal Highness was to address the Executive Council, we heard the ominous sound of rattling cups and saucers. It was 3 p.m. The security guards were forced to shrink back against the wall as Alice and Jean made their way along the corridor with the tea trolley. Derek Hodgson was always keen to know what was happening in the postal department. He was a diligent, hard-working national officer, albeit one operating in a stress-free environment, Just as I recognised him as my main rival for the top job, he knew that I was probably the only person who could beat him when the current General Secretary, our unassuming but extremely effective boss, Alan Tuffin, retired. Indeed, Derek was the favourite. Not only did he have the district organisers on his payroll, but in his current position it was impossible for him to be tainted with failure. At every conference our branches mandated us occupational officers to achieve improvements to their terms and conditions. Every day we grappled with the changes that were necessary to ensure that the post office was relevant in the rapidly changing world of communications. There were disputes to settle, strikes to prevent, discipline cases to defend. In the postal department we walked across minefields. In organising they skipped over meadows. Derek had an additional point in his favour. He was nearly ten years older than me. All national officers were required by the rigidity of the rule book to retire at 60. Alan Tuffin would reach that age in 1992, just as Derek would be ripening into his early 50s, the traditional vintage for an incoming general secretary. For now, we each toiled in our offices at opposite ends of the first floor, like two boxers in their separate corners, waiting to step into the centre of the ring. I would glean intelligence from the enemy camp every time I used the gents, which was at Derek's end of the corridor. He was at a disadvantage on this front, as he had to find excuses to visit our quarters, and it was impossible for him to arrive unannounced, since Derek didn't so much walk as bustle. Well-built and stocky, He walked as fast as some people could run, and his habit of having steel caps put on the toes and heels of all his shoes meant that his approach along the parquet floors of the corridor 
sounded like a horse trotting towards us. A horse towing a gypsy caravan, come to think of it, for he was also one of those men who insist on attaching their important accoutrements to their person. He wore his steel-framed glasses on a chain around his neck, and an array of fountain pens clipped to the pocket of his short-sleeved shirts, but the biggest inhibitor to any attempt he made to move surreptitiously was his keys. Derek carried more keys than a beefeater at the Tower of London. They accompanied him everywhere on a series of substantial rings clipped together on his thick, buckled belt. It's a wonder he didn't keel over from the weight. So no matter what was going on in the postal department, however much noise there was from the typewriters, the photocopier, or low-flying aircraft circling over Clapham, we never failed to hear him coming. The 1980s had been...